Diversity and gender equity are goals for we have to fight on every day. This is the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast. The podcast for music, culture and the new now. Hello and welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast. We present to you Equality and Gaming in Art, a panel discussion with Julia Stoshek, arts collector, Angela Vashko, media artist and professor, and Antje Hundhausen, global brand management of Deutsche Telekom. Enjoy. So nice to have you all here. <laughs> so how was your day? You experienced lots of esports? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Not enough, but hopefully Not enough yet. next day. Thank you. <laughs> Tomorrow then. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we will talk about, just a briefly summary, we will talk about arts, feminism, equality in arts, different exhibitions. And I would start, Julia, with you. You have your current exhibition in Düsseldorf, mm -hmm. World Building. What was the... That's how it looks like. Wow. <laughs> What was the general idea? Uh, my collection, nobody will believe, turned this year into 15 years. So we are wow. teenagers now. <laughs> and so, so riot time. Yeah, so we thought, maybe what can we do for a 15th anniversary? I mean, I know normally you celebrate the 10th and the 20th, but these are difficult times. So we said, let's make a real big party for the 15th anniversary. <laughs> and uh, we hired a very well-known curator. His name is Hans-Ulrich Obrist. And it was his idea to create a special show um, dedicated to the relationship between gaming and arts, especially media-based art. Mm -hmm. And so this is the current show that's running in Dusseldorf. And I can invite only everybody to come to Dusseldorf and to see this really, really special show. And I'm very proud because it's something completely new. We've never done something like this before showing how much influence came uh, from, from the gaming industry to the media-based artists and also in the opposite way. And I mean, you know it better, you are all experts in gaming, but last year, 2.8 billion people played video games. So it's the biggest mass phenomenon of our times. And to, to deal with this topic and put it into an art exhibition, something I think very special. And there was another idea to get the younger generation to museums. Yeah. So normally on the weekend, the parents force the kids to come to the museum. So now, <laughs> hopefully, but I think so, it's also the opposite way that the younger generation said to mommy and dad, oh, let's go to Julia Stasche collection. We want to see the gaming show. And I think it's so important, yeah, also really to think about the next generation, to be open, to be open to your next generation and to be open also to a new field mm -hmm. of art, which I believe is gaming. Wow. <laughs> yeah, da kann man mal klatschen, oder? <laughs> So what, what can people expect in the exhibition? I mean, um, you will see a history. Um, beginning from artworks of the 80s, where you can see the influence of the gaming industry. For example, like Elaine Sturtevant, an American artist who took an existing video game, Pac-Man, for sure you, everybody knows, and she manipulated it. So she put her own name into it and the Pac-Man eats the name, for example. <laughs> Then we have the next generation of the 90s where you can see that also the media-based artists tried to, to copy and to use the aesthetics of gaming, like at Atkins, using 3D animation, special programming coming from the gaming world. And then we have the completely new generation, um, let's say really of, of game designers or let's say media-based artists. I think the boundaries are, are really blurring. Yeah. Um, who have the technology to create their own games. So for sure, like Angela, <laughs> like Daniel Brathwaite Shirley, like Kaken. So they're having their own technology and, and also producing their own, own interactive games. I'm really curious. <laughs> I'm like, do I have to work tomorrow or do I go to Düsseldorf? Yeah, I, I think you definitely have to go. To, this is something to very topic here in Cologne, between Cologne and Düsseldorf, but nobody will. Go tomorrow morning, so nobody will see that you drive from Cologne to Düsseldorf, okay? Yeah, I love it. She's my boss, and she was like, go to Düsseldorf, I have to work tomorrow, yeah. just to Düsseldorf. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get the day no, off. But do you have to, definitely have to. I have, awesome. yeah. I saw it already, it's really You saw it already? Thank you. Yes. Ooh, you've also been there, and you have your Yesterday, art there. Yesterday, yes. <laughs> so what, is, what are you exhibitioning? 
So in the world building exhibition, I'm showing the, a project called the Council on Gender Sensitivity and Behavioral Awareness in World of Warcraft. A mouthful of a title. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically it's a project that I started where as a, an artist and a longtime World of Warcraft player, I got really tired of, of being told to, to get back into the kitchen and make male player sandwiches. Yeah. Um, years and years and years of that, where I finally was like, I'm making performance art in physical public spaces. I'm working with activist protest groups in physical public spaces, but I haven't really reckoned with the the sexual harassment, the anti-feminist conversations, the anti-racism, or the homophobia in this game that I play every day competitively. <laughs> so yeah, I started the, the council as a way to start to facilitate conversations with it directly with other players. So I started going into the, the public sort of towns in the game space, like you're seeing some images of right now. Um, and I started talking with other players about why WoW, this game that otherwise is a totally <laughs> fantasy game where you're an orc or a troll or even now a panda, um, <laughs> but that sexism, racism, and homophobia was, was completely rampant within the community, oh, wow. even if the developers hadn't in, you know, intended that in the, the way that they designed the game. So yeah, I, I hosted conversations, I staged performances and sometimes protests, and made a series of really weird videos. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the World Building Exhibition, you can see uh, four years worth of, of different sort of performative interventions um, that I staged with other players inside World of Warcraft. <laughs> That's crazy. What was the craziest thing you can experience in World of Warcraft? <laughs> I mean, if someone comes to me in World of Warcraft, I'm playing a mage and would be like, hey, I want to spark a conversation about feminism, I would be so into, but <laughs> I guess most of the people are not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of, the, some of the most memorable conversations were ones with, with people that were ready, as soon as I said feminism, were ready to have a fight. And because I just stayed there and talked with them for hours and hours and hours, <laughs> we actually got into really complex conversations and even people who were trying to disrupt them by, you know, sp uh, potentially spamming hate speech or uh, lighting a bunch of fireworks right on top of me or, you know, dropping a bunch of items over and over again. Um, even, I just incorporated them into the, the performance or the, yeah. the conversation. I, there's no, really no way to disrupt the Council on Gender Sensitivity and Behavioral Awareness in World of Warcraft because all of that is a part of the work. Um, and yeah, some of the most interesting things that happened, I had, I had players who, who talked about how they found the people that they ended up marrying in the game space mm -hmm. and talking about what it was like to, to have that experience, which lots of people who play this game, they know that that's a thing that happens and it's normal, but when you bring that into an art space and talk about it, everybody's like, oh my God, that's so crazy. How is that possible? <laughs> um, but I think that that's a, I think I've always tried to talk about both the issues within the game from the perspective of being a player and a media critic and an artist, while also talking about the things that make it special and interesting and groundbreaking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I also talked for eight hours uh, to a, a 16-year-old young woman who is living in Alabama and pregnant and really working through a lot of really difficult um, issues and, and feelings about um, ab abortion. And mm -hmm. we spent a very long time talking about that because she needed a platform to do that. So, and that's a, a piece called Chastity, which is in the exhibition. So a lot of stuff, wow. heavy stuff, light stuff, goofy stuff, <laughs> all of it. Like in real life. <laughs> yes. You know, just World of Warcraft <laughs> is a bit like the extension of your real life with orcs and exes. Uh, <laughs> Basically, it's still humans after you all, know. even if we all look different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so talking about pushing boundaries, um, we're sitting here at the second Equal Esports Festival and also combining arts and games. And what role does the telecom play in all of this? Uh, we play a role since a long time. We are partners of uh, Esports Player Foundation and SK Gaming. 
But we were this. But we recognized um, that it's a very male-dominant um, field, and with these partners, we decided last year that we need to change. We need to be a game changer. We and I'm the founder of the Equal Esports uh, Initiative because we and my team thinks that it's important to bring the other role models mm. and to really get rid of this gender stereotypes. So um, and moreover. We were totally convinced uh, to reach the unreachable, the younger generation. We are missing the contact. And, yeah. and this was one part because there are 34 million gamers in Germany. And I think this is huge. And if you yeah. look at it, 50% um, are female, 50% are male. But the, the top players, the, the really who do um, uh, athletic, uh, uh, who play really on the top, there are only men just two or three percent women. So mm -hmm. we wanted to change that and for that we set up this initiative. Just first of all setting up a safe place for um, women, for mm -hmm. young talented, really talented uh, gamers. True. So and I think after one year we saw that it's we, we put a ground on there and there are two for example they switched now to the 2G um, sports, which is one of like Bayern München. So we yeah, somehow we top. are training them, we are setting up boot camps. So we are actually doing a real good, I think a real good job with our partners. And thank you for that. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah. you guys. Well, we have to say thank you. <laughs> yes. I see a few faces. <laughs> um, we are also here to talk about at the Equal Esports Festival about equality in the art scene and also in gaming and maybe there are some similarities what are your experiences i mean the the art scenery is existing let's say maybe 500 years longer but <laughs> i would say more than 450 years it was completely dominated um, also by male mm -hmm. actors so if you think about museum directors curators and also artists so i think there are there are some differences between the sceneries but also some similarities um, What's quite interesting, especially with media-based artists, is they often work like seismographs, recording our time. So what, what I recognize is that more than 15 years ago, topics like diversity, um, your gender equality, um, was really was starting to get a topic, so why be quite earlier before than in our, let's say, society. Yeah. So, um, which, which makes media art so, I think, so important and also so interesting. So, um, but I think there's, there's always an influence from both sceneries. And I think, I mean, if you're talking about who is influencing the other scenery in which way, I would say maybe um, the gaming industry um, can, can influence the media-based artists to, to work more interactive. Mm -hmm. to make more work more in collaborations and on the opposite way maybe media-based artists can influence some game designers to work a little bit more critical and a little bit more political not only concentrating on the on the gaming issue but yeah. really really to be yeah political which i think is so important in these days so again i think this we are all talking about creative people and and i i, I don't do any differences anymore between a media-based artist or, or, or a game designer or a game game artist so they are all artists <laughs> <laughs> that's so true um what is your experience especially with media-based artists it's hard to sell art and um, a lot of my friends who do media-based stuff are always like yeah i can exhibit but i can't sell and <laughs> all these problems what do you think well i mean i think there are so many different art worlds and i mean i sort of exist in these <laughs> sort of intersections of like media art and games and art and indie games and also a little bit in the documentary <laughs> film space so I, I don't know if i can i'm the the best person to talk about that particular issue but in terms of equality in, in media art or in um, sort of indie game art overlap. Um, I, I think something what I, I grew up playing games, they were really important to me in the, the late 80s and early 90s and role playing games were so formative to me as someone who was living in a very rural, very conservative, very homophobic uh, place. And like games was where I escaped and mm -hmm. found mm -hmm. um, I could enact the, the, the process of being able to enact a story instead of just consuming it 
um, was was really, for lack of a better word, game changing for me. <laughs> so I, as as an artist, started to look back at the games that were so formative to me and started seeing how their what what the narratives about women were in those games, and they either didn't exist, only existed to serve a sort of male protagonist story, um, or were just completely um, misogynistic uh, and, and horrible. So I started to think about, I was making a lot of, a lot of my early media art focused on um, the lack of women's stories in these role-playing games, and I'm, I've, feel like I've been a part of an arts movement and a, a games movement to prioritize the stories of women in narrative games. And my shift away from maybe making critical art about issues within games to becoming a game maker myself wouldn't have been possible without people like um, Anna Anthropy, who wrote a book called The Rise of the Video Game Zinesters, which really prioritized encouraging people, despite being socialized, not to make games because they're, because they're a woman or because they're trans or because they don't fit into the stereotype of who games are for, to make games using whatever tools are on hand, even if they weren't game-making tools. And this sort of, I feel like there's a parallel within this, this movement to encourage anyone to make games and democratizing the tools for game making to like a, a wider, uh, the opening of the market toward games that are shorter, more gestural, made with more unusual avant-garde um, or more accessible tools. Um, and I think that's been so important to seeing more diverse voices in, within the games industry and within the crossover into um, the arts. That was very long-winded, but <laughs> it made sense. No, it totally <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> I mean, having the tools to do that took a long time to be open to the public. There was a lot of gatekeeping, especially from men, keeping the tools from young girls, young non-binaries. And you living in both worlds now, gaming and art. <laughs> so what's your perspective? Are there a lot of similarities of inequality? Yeah, I think, I mean, the art, especially the classical art um, uh, market is still very uh, male dominant, but we talked yeah. about that before. The media art is, is quite more open, more, more um, diverse, but I think uh, there's still plenty, plenty uh, room of improvement. <laughs> Looking at the uh, payment, there's no equal payment when you have when you sign a picture, a drawing, uh, and you have a you, you you have a female name instead of a, a, a male uh, signature, then it you get 30% less um, hmm. um, like income because yeah. it's it's always yeah I absolutely driven. agree hmm? I absolutely agree yeah. and I think diversity and 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 um, also I mean gender equity are our goals for we have to fight on every day. So we do this also with my collection and my team. So for example, 40% of the artists in my collection, and this is really a lot, 40% yeah. define themselves as female or non-binary, comparing to a classical um, official collection, um, art collection, this is really good, but mm -hmm. it's 40%, so we don't have reached the 50 yet, and that's, that's why we fight for it every, every day. That's so nice to hear. So yeah. how, how do you find these artists? Oh, I mean, I have a fantastic team. We do a <laughs> lot of research and that's not the question to find them. We, and we got so much offers and we get so much art and it's, it's more the possibility and the difficulty to choose so, uh, and, and, and to find the right one. But uh, yeah, we, we try to become experts and uh, then we, we try our best every day. Yeah. Maybe adding also our art collection, Telecom, which is only 11 years old. We have 50% male and 50% So you're even artists. better than ours, which so is, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to very well curator Natalie Oyo sitting here. So we had, uh, <laughs> from Austria. <laughs> so some of your team are also here, right? Yes, yes, yes. Where I'm, are they? Raise the your hand. Front, front row, so here, <laughs> that's my team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So just just a quick question: How's the choosing process? In in a really short answer. Mm, I mean, when we're talking about how I choose the art for the collection, first of all. Um, I tried to draw a line starting from the 60s until today. Mm -hmm. So media art started in the 60s and um, I mean, yeah, I really, really try to draw this line. Um, on the other hand, once, a, once an artist is part of the collection, uh, we do follow him or her for a long period of time. And I'm interested not only to acquire one work, but really, um, let's say, group of works or the masterpieces, which sounds very easy, but sometimes it's not. So we really look over the complete oeuvre and really try to get quality-wise um, the best works. Um, yeah, and then doing a lot of research. And um, at the end, because it's a private collection for sure, I always do follow my heart. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a very emotional um, collector and it's a private collection and for sure it, 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 it really um, has to do something with my own personality. Um, it's not an official art collection, um, an institutional, so for sure, um, yeah, at the end, uh, it's, it's, it's always a decision by my heart. <laughs> and your heart led to Angela. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And to, to a lot of wonderful female artists, I have to say, so absolutely. How's the choosing process at Telekom? Can people apply? No, we, we actually, um, it's all about experience and to see a lot of uh, different places and travel a lot and look at different galleries and see um, like exhibition we saw in Dusseldorf Thank and, and it's all, I think, and in the end it's um, getting more mature and, and see mm -hmm. what is relevant and not and um, it's also gut feeling. Yeah. It's, um, the team I have around me and uh, gives us advice and, and recommendations. It's all about sharing also, yes. yeah. yeah. Community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So talking about gut feelings and intuition, um, it's always said, yeah, women have a better intuition, etc. Um, would you say you have to get rid of femininity in order to succeed in the male field? I mean, uh, that's like lean in feminism. Uh, you know, I think I, I curated a show called um, Hacking, Modding and Remixing as Feminist Protest um, at the, the Miller ICA, which is a, um, a sort of like a, a Kunsthalle, but in um, Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon, where I'm a professor. And in that exhibition, it, it covered specifically feminist um, media interventions from the 1960s to present um, and a lot of historically important work and very diverse artists. Um, and one of the reviews, the, it was a very lovely review, but one of the things that they first criticized was that there were a number of works that incorporated the color, the colors pink and purple, and that they felt that that was somehow like, you know, um, too, too feminine and that mm. shouldn't have been in the show. And I guess for me, I feel like we need a wide range of celebration, a wide range of, 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 of gender presentations and, um, and people of a wide, wide spectrum of gender. And I, I hope, unfortunately, I do think femininity is stigmatized in, in both the tech game space as well as the the art space still um based on the the reviews um that that show received around uh around that but um i i hope that we are moving toward a time where everybody can be their most authentic selves and whatever that means um and i mean i just there's been a lot of work done by women-led collectives like Dames Making Games, um, Black Girls Code, uh, Code Liberation, these were all based in the US and they were really focused on, and they're, some of them are 10 and 15 years old. Um, so this is not a new movement, mm -hmm. but it has more visibility than ever and I hope that that will, um, yeah, that the stigmatization of, of femininity in these spaces um, continues to go, go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and help even more. What's your perspective? Um, when I was a young uh, leader, I started with 30 years old, now I'm much more older, and uh, I was trying to be as hard and as uh, pushy as men. And after two or three years, I, I recognized it's, I'm not authentic, I need to be more, more by myself. And 
the more the more older I get, the more I, I think it's very important to add the, the to be authentic and to to be female and not to 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 try to mm. be uh, boyish or or as as pushy and maybe stereotype. Yeah, this this very testosterone-driven. <laughs> Yeah. But, so I think that the world needs more this empathetic and, and female approach. Yes. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when I started, um, for sure, there was also this stereotypic image um, of a young female collector. I mean, we know most of the collections, collectors, even in the US, or the collections um, um, are produced and built up by, by couples. Um, or male, um, if we look back to history, there haven't been so many female art collectors. So, um, yeah, getting the respect at the beginning was not so easy, but I think if you work seriously and professional, um, following your own instinct, um, I think it, it works. It works out, and uh, that's, that's also an advice I, I can give. And, yeah, choose, choose exactly whom you listen to. It's also... <laughs> <laughs> Something I would, would give as an advice if somebody is interested in that, yeah. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah. So I always refused not dressing like a princess going into business meetings. And yeah, so I always said, yeah, if you want to work with me, I might look like a cupcake vomited on me. That happens. <laughs> yeah, being authentic and still having the skills. That's what we also tell um, about our players. And um, yeah, they have the skills. So what's the point in genders? And you already touched on the advice things. Um, yeah. And I would love to hear some advice from you for young girls and non-binaries in order to succeed. I mean, yeah. oh, you yeah, can go. No. Oh. <laughs> I can start. Um, I, I think what was so important to me in my development as both an artist and an artist who makes games has been, and also a feminist artist who's doing those things, um, is to, to find a community mm -hmm. of other makers who are invested in things somewhat similar to what you're doing and create and participate in support structures for those communities. It was so important when I started to, when I first started doing the work as the council, I felt very alone. I was like, nobody else is doing this. I can't keep doing this. It's yeah. so hard sometimes. And it's, it seems impossible to change this on my own. And it, it not only what is impossible to do it on your own, but also I was not alone, and that there are there were many artists working in this way before me, and continue to, or people working in activism or journalism who were interested in the same issues and talking about the same things, and maybe making it a different way. Who I ended up becoming a part of a community with, and started not only making things together and having shows together and, and all of that, and supporting each other in that way, but also creating safe spaces for conversations about the issues that we were all facing. Um, in different projects that I've had, there's been a lot of harassment online. Um, there's been different hate movements directed toward me and my work. And it's been important to, to connect with other, other makers who have those experiences, who have resources and tools and even just suggestions for <laughs> self-care and creating boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think finding, be, working within a community, if you haven't found them yet, just show up. I think that's something I had to do was, you can't just be like, hi, I'm doing important things and like, I want <laughs> you to care. Like just, just show up and participate and, and be a part of it before, <laughs> you know, forcing something to happen. But yeah, being also an organizer and, and yeah, putting, putting in the work to work in solidarity, I would, I would recommend to anyone. Yeah. I, I can absolutely agree. <laughs> Building up a network is so important uh, for any field, for every work. If you work as an artist, even for the work as a collector, it's so important to have the connection to other people. And now we have these wonderful technologies that enable us. And uh, using this in, in, in any way, in any case, I think this is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, net, it's networking, as, as both of you said, networking <laughs> and, and open. And I think it's all a good uh, way also, even for male or female, to have a, the best um, output for a creative process. Mm -hmm. Not to sit alone and think I'm all, I'm all by myself. Um, connect, share your ideas, um, share your fears. Um, uh, 
Yeah, interact, and I think this is so important. And I think this is a networking community to set up communities, to create communities, not to feel like a victim, open and be more like uh, somebody who's a doer than sitting and thinking, oh, uh, nobody can help me. There are so many people with the same mm. problems and the same um, wishes so, yeah. and yeah. needs. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I would like to say thank you to Deutsche Telekom because yeah. <laughs> supporting the arts and game, I mean, supporting these people doing or creating a creative language is so important to have a partner like you. So I would say thank you. Big thank you to Deutsche Telekom. <laughs> thank you so much. And for sure for this festival, this just started. So tomorrow is another day. Yeah. You just talked about doing feminist work and sometimes feeling alone while doing so, how did you cope? <laughs> I mean, I think part, so, yeah, I mean, when I, I had created a project, uh, a media art project that was about a community of, of pickup artists who also overlap with um, these online games communities that I was working with in World of Warcraft. And there was a hate movement called Gamergate that happened. And also I had a lot of hate from this thing called the Manosphere and um, all these pickup artists. And it was overwhelming to be the, the target of, um, yeah, these, these large um, hate movements, particularly against women and particularly against um, women who were interested in participating in the games industry. And, you know, part of it was leaning on my community, as I mentioned before, but also I had to really be much more intentional with my relationship to um, social media and myself as a public figure than I ever was before. Um, I had to really think about things that are obvious now, now that we have much more control over how we use social media, but at the time, um, not all social media networks, it was possible to make yourself private or to um, remove notifications and things like that. So, um, yeah, I had to be much more mindful. I, I left certain social media platforms for a while and took some space and, um, yeah, took some time to re-engage in a way that um, I set up more, um, yeah, barriers to how I was going to be communicated with. Um, that maybe my like utopian ideas about how <laughs> communication on the internet could work yeah. were a little bit shattered by this experience. <laughs> um, but I, I think I came back to it realizing that if, if somebody wants to engage with me in my project but does it in a way that involves harassment um, or, or threats or violence um, or releasing information about me and where I am at any moment to the public, I don't need to engage with that person. Yeah. <laughs> that that's not a, an interesting conversation for me. So yeah, setting up m many more um, in intentional structures with regards to my relationship to social media. Yeah. And taking walks. Taking walks. <laughs> taking mental health walks. <laughs> yes. <Same>. <laughs> so do you have any strategies tackling toxic masculinity that you developed over the years? Antje? <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a... Okay, you don't have to answer, <laughs> just curious. It's a secret, actually. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I have my own recipe. No, but it's um, not be afraid, be brave, um, mm. open your mouth, be loud. Uh, um, Uh, t tell what you don't, where, when there's a conflict, get into that and, and explain why you feel not comfortable with that and, and mm -hmm. not be quiet. I mean, um, not be too polite. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So this is what I come yeah, out immediately, yeah. spontaneously. Yeah. yeah. It was really funny because I uh, worked for you at Gamescom and I met a really cool feminist young artist she's 20 now like the new generation coming up that are even more yeah kind of aggressive but i like that yeah, yeah and she was like yeah you have to be more aggressive with the boys <laughs> and it's true you have to in order you, i mean no, with consent and in a still kind of nice way don't hit people on the street and <laughs> tell them it was my fault but <laughs> yeah be more aggressive as a as a female person in some as a fields. female leader Yeah, as a female leader. So <laughs> what is a female trait you would like to see more in the world? 
I mean, it was and is always a dream of mine um, to make art accessible. Um, that's why we started our online project. So um, every media work uh, is in the collection, gets digitized, and will be once online able to watch uh, wow. without uh, access free forever um, in the best quality. But I would love to reach more people and um, maybe once we, we can open up the collection in the metaverse. So um, <laughs> that's, that's something that's in my mind. And as a media collection, I can say as, one, <laughs> as the biggest media collection in the world, that's, that's another step we have to follow and to think about and to move on it. So team is sitting here, technical advisors. So uh, <laughs> it's really something um, yeah, we have to follow and to work on it. Just, yeah to reach a much, much wider community. Yeah. That's, that's super important. And to make art accessible. That's, that's my wish. Yeah, someone's yeah. clapping in the back. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say? Some a female trade you would like to see more in the world? A, a trade? Sorry, a I don't trait? think... Trait? A, a female trait? So I don't think I totally understand the question. Oh, sorry. No, is, like, is there another way you, you know, can phrase it? Some... No, it's like... People saying empathy, it's oh empathy or getting more into mm -hmm. the feelings of others, being soft. And mm -hmm. some people say it's a bad thing, but I don't well, think so. Well, I mean, I think I'm, I'm a little critical of, make, of, of connecting those sorts of traits yeah. to like, it, it's like called, I called biological determinism, but assuming that there are, um, yeah, that there are specific traits, because sometimes those have just been put on women, and, and as women are expected to do certain types of domestic labor or care that um, are really just socialized to be yeah. that way so that uh, men don't have to do that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think in my work, empathy has been incredibly important. Um, it's, I, it's been important to me in my process, although I, I agree that being loud and putting yourself out there is important. I, I think it's also Im important to approach, for me as an artist, important to approach people who disagree in a way that's complex and acknowledges that, that we're all coming to this conversation from different places and that um, I, I try to, sometimes my empathy is limited by experiences of harassment online. But um, yeah, I think it, it's important in yeah in the in this space to not only um, acknowledge the historical bias against um, women, non-binary, and trans um, people, but also yeah talk about that there is there is space for men in that conversation mm -hmm. um, and for mutual exchange of learning to happen that was i don't <laughs> and all around there but um but yeah i think it's it i i hope that empathy is not just a a female trait yeah. <laughs> that's my answer <laughs> same <laughs> so um do you feel like there's a shift happening in the scene? in the arts as well as, as the gaming scene. Can yeah, you feel I mean, it? There is a fundamental change, which is so important. And that's, that's, but it's a process and we are all at the beginning. So that's a journey we all have to go on together and to work together. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting to be part of that change, I have mm -hmm. to say, and, and very, very important to fight for it. Were there any like experiences you had where we were like, oh, nice? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the beginning, as I mentioned, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's still if I give an interview, they always start uh, searching my outfit and what I'm wearing. I, n I never read a portrait about a male leader starting with yeah. the information what the man is wearing. Um, but at, at the end of the so many years, I get used to it and I find it quite funny. So a sense of humor is also... <laughs> Some, sometimes a good helper yeah. in any case but despite also fighting and, and being strong with your own personality but yeah sometimes that's also something that's quite helpful to have some humor <laughs> yeah ten, 10 years ago when I started the Council on Gender Sensitivity and Behavioral Awareness and World of Warcraft although I found a community <laughs> in the beginning there there was not, there weren't many institutions that supported artists specifically interested in games. And there was, I feel like, a very a general um, attitude toward games and art 
that only like 13-year-old boy, I was told by an art historian at a conference where I presented the project in front of a very large audience <laughs> that I should stop caring about games because only 13-year-old boys play them and I should, oh, it's trite wow. and I should stop wasting my time. Wow. And, and at the time, that was, uh, and some people clapped. That's, because why, they that's thought, why I said, yes. choose carefully who you listen to, okay? Yeah. yeah, so I could have said there, like, oh, the arts yeah. don't want me. Yeah. What I'm doing yeah. isn't interesting. I should yeah. probably quit and figure out something else to do. Yeah. But I, I knew that the conversations within World of Warcraft were, they were doing something. A guild inside of the game was created around the council. There was a real, like, and we would set times where we would show up and have these talks. And, you know, 50 people would come and we would be in, of, of all the, we'd be wearing ridiculous costumes and shooting fireworks. But it was like, I knew that it meant something to do this work. I knew it was important in the space then. And so the primary audience for the work was, was there. Um, and now, 10 years later, it's being collected by major museums. And, and now the, maybe the art world is catching up. Um, but, but yeah, I think it, it, we're, we're def all there was definitely artists working in that space. They're really interesting. Tale of Tales was another um, collective of, of artists who were making really interesting games, and now they're very, very appreciated in the, the art world. But in the beginning, it was really only the, the game space that was, was focused on, on what they were doing. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of really amazing collectives. I mentioned some of them already. Um, then, and there are only, they've set the, the foundation for what's happening now. And, um, I mean, I'm very encouraged by the, the explosion of, of tools and developers and, um, support for, at least in the U.S., I'm not as familiar with this context, but, um, where I teach, um, Carnegie Mellon, there, there are so many initiatives on campus for, um, encouraging people who've been historically marginalized from, from coding or media art to be front and center. So um, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> so what are your experiences as a professor <laughs> raising the new generation? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been teaching at Carnegie Mellon for eight years. I briefly taught at Bauhaus um, in Weimar. Hey, Germany. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... It's, it's such an uh, incredible time to, to be teaching young artists who are, who are coming in. Some of my students, they're coming in and they've already, they've been coding their whole life. They've, they've already made a ton of games. <laughs> they show me like all of their games on Steam and, and itch.io and, um, it's, I, they, <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is where we're starting. We're not starting <laughs> with like, how, how do I make a game? They're already just so prolific, but, um, but yeah, I think I, I, with the resources that I have at the university, have been trying to set up um, initiatives and spaces to cultivate support for, um, yeah, for people who've been marginalized from game production and from uh, the media art world. So that's, that's what I do in the university is um, bring, in, bring in guest speakers, set up um, workshops, and curate exhibitions, and work with other um, grad students and undergrad students to produce, um, yeah, media art and um, games and performance-based events across town to, yeah, support the next generation, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we also do here. Do you feel like there's a shift happening Slowly, but uh, we have to be patient, not to think everything can change all like 100% easily, but we are on our way, yeah. <laughs> we can't wait. So just for an example, last year um, we already had the, um, the initiative and people applied and the girls and non-binaries were like, yeah, I want to play League of Legends more professionally. And this year, I just come back for, uh, from the last boot camp, the girls and non-binaries who auditioned tripled. So we have three times more people applying. The, the skill level raised Absolutely. and all the expectations were totally different because they saw what can happen. They were like, I want to be a pro. I want to be on stage. I want to beat they the guys. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's much more ambition and discipline and the willing and they see that their role models who achieved already and, and 
there are a lot of uh, followers now. Yeah. yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. And it's so nice to see what can happen in only 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so lovely. What What is one of the nicest things you ever saw happening with your work? Was there young people being inspired or? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. Um, I think, well, I guess one of the, I, I made this video game, the first like major large scale video game that I made um, was called The Game the Game. It came out, um, well, there were many different chapter versions of it, but it finally officially fully came out um, in 2019. And it, it both lived in sort of installations and meet in museums and galleries, but also um, started get going to indie game, uh, indie game festivals and um, distributed online. And I was really scared going to games festivals because the, the game, the game, you're a, <laughs> you play as a woman going into a bar and you keep getting, you're just trying to meet your friend and you keep getting picked up by pickup artists. So uh, professional pickup artists actually who train other men how to seduce uh, women. And it's a very uncomfortable game to play. It's very clearly a very critical game to play. Most people play it and they try to get away from these men. But if you want to, you can actually have sexual exchanges with all of them based on the actual, um, the actual coaching material that they sell. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very political, very feminist, and very sexually explicit game. I did not think it was going to go over well at these festivals <laughs> it was getting into, and I was so nervous to have conversations with, to represent the game at these festivals and have a booth and, and have difficult conversations with gamers about why this should be a game. And I was so surprised and very moved by how seriously the people who, who came to these festivals played through it and the, some of the things that they said to me, like straight men who identify as gamers, like playing this game and afterward being like, I played that and I realized that I've been doing this thing to women. Like I always try to move them away from their, their comfort zone. And by playing this, I realized that that, that would make a woman feel, likely feel unsafe. And that I, I was socialized to do this thing and it was sort of just naturally happening. And now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how I can interact with women that make them feel more safe in, in public. Um, And yeah, that was that was an incredible exchange to have. To have, I, I think sometimes it, it feels like this game was made for women to have to feel a, a sense of familiarity that like this thing that they experience is is not just something that they, they experienced mm -hmm. once. That it's actually a part of a a larger systemic issue. The way that men are trained to interact with women by the, <laughs> these pickup artists and seduction culture, um, and. Yeah, to, ha to realize that like, maybe the most interesting audience for this project was actually men and men who play games and who may interact with the actual original material that these pickup artists were selling more often. Uh, it was a very surprising and meaningful experience. And also, I think, even though I've been a gamer myself for so long, um, yeah, as a, a feminist gamer, I've, I maybe had like an unfair opinion about what a, a gamer audience would have for my projects. Like I was nervous that it just wouldn't, it wouldn't find a place there. Um, and it, it really did. And there ultimately was a lot of support for, for that project um, in, in that space. So um, yeah, remembering to like check the stereotypes that we have, even if, even if there are, there definitely, obviously, we're all here talking about issues within the games industry, um, but, but leaving, yeah, leaving space to be surprised or, um, yeah, for, for change to happen and, and to, yeah, be a part of that. But that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we are running out of... Running out of time, um, talking about toxic masculinity. Um, <laughs> I love having examples. Um, so, what is coming up next? I mean, uh, we currently we have three shows. Uh, the collection is not only shown in um, in Düsseldorf, but also in Berlin. We have two shows in Berlin and the gaming show in Düsseldorf. Where you all have to see. 
Uh, this show runs for more than over a year and it's changing because we put in some trailers from some game designers and then the next level and the next steps. So you have to come more often to see Düsseldorf. So the Düsseldorf show runs until next year. Uh, until summer, and in Berlin uh, we plan a new Ulysses Jenkins um, show that comes up in February. So it's, let's say, the, the black first pioneer um, of media art in the US, uh, not un very well known in Europe, I mean, you know him, <laughs> and uh, it's a cooperation with an institution in Los Angeles, and um, I'm very proud to, to show his work first of time in Europe. That's in February in Berlin Ooh. next year. Pretty cool. So let's say he's like the Namjoon Pike, the, the black Namjoon Pike from the US. <laughs> so a very, a very important artist and an artist artist that influenced the upcoming generations so much. Yeah. And yeah, to give him a stage and the respect here in Europe, I think this is very important. Wow. You all have so much to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I have, uh, I just, uh, finished a, a project called Workhorse Queen, which is a documentary film focused on the relationship between um, local drag communities and the reality TV show RuPaul's Drag Race. I spent like the last four years on tour with drag queens, which was an awesome antidote for many years of, of working with uh, misogyny online. <laughs> and that, that now just went out on... Um, You can see it on Amazon Prime and Hulu and stars in the U.S. Um, on TV. I, it will come here. I'm not, the distributor isn't always the best at telling me. The European distribution of film is really way more complicated than yeah. I realized. Um, but, but it will be here eventually. And um, I'm currently uh, working on a project called Mother Player, which is a... Um, a visual novel video game, uh, and ooh, something good just happened yeah. back there. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, it focuses on my experiences of uh, being pregnant, giving birth, and raising a, a toddler in a pandemic. And it's the most personal um, project I've ever made. It's everything's hand drawn and, and hand like rotoscoped. Wow. All the interfaces are hand drawn and. Uh, my one-year-old, well, she was one-year-old now, she's like two, but she made a lot of the paintings for it, mm -hmm. uh, all of the overlays. Um, I learned Unity. Woo. Wow. <laughs> so we, we that's coming to, soon. To, see it, so, to get an experience. Yeah. We yes. Wait, should yeah. be online and well, eventually. Anche, can you already tell us something oh, or is it still have, a secret? Uh, at the moment, we have a beautiful exhibition at the Wilhelm Hall in Berlin and it's all about diversity. It's a piece, a part of our um, art collection, Telekom, with Eastern European um, contemporary artists. It runs until next, uh, this, yeah, this Sunday. And we're planning actually to have a boot camp in the world building Ooh. in your place uh, with all these uh, uh, female talents. Where we have a three-day um, boot camp, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very, to, very looking to forward to that. Uh, yeah, and the people work or, or maybe or in December, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. in December would be so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, but there are other projects, but these are the ones who are related very much to art yeah. and gaming. Yeah. Nice. Thank you so much. Anything you want to say to the audience? No. no, thank you for the support thank and you uh, for listening. Yeah, yeah. thank, you for, thank listening. you for bringing me from the United States <laughs> for this. I'm, I'm just—it's like a dream to be in a context where I'm. There's first of all that there's esports already. Very excited, and then like all women and non-binary esports. Like it's just—it's very moving to me as someone who oh. who played competitive Counter-Strike and felt so discouraged and did all of the work that I did in World of Warcraft. Very discouraging <laughs> to, yeah, to have a platform like this for, um, yeah, women and non-binary gamers. Um, Maybe we bring it gamers. to uh, America, to the U.S. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, thank, thank you so, so much. much. Thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good. And thank you for moderating. Yeah. Best moderator. If you like, there are many other Electronic Beats podcast episodes that you can find on all the usual podcast platforms. We'd be very happy for you to check them out and subscribe, or leave us some feedback on our various social media platforms.